We are in Job chapter 40, verse 1. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind and said, Gird up thy loins now like a man. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. Wilt thou also disannul my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me that thou mayest be righteous? Hast thou an arm like God, or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency, and array thyself with glory and beauty. Cast abroad the rage of thy wrath, and behold everyone that is proud, and abase him. Look on everyone that is proud and bring him low. Tread down the wicked in her place. Hide them in the dust together and bind their faces in secret. Then will I also confess unto thee that thine own right hand can save thee. If you can do all that, Job, you got it made. Job would say again, I will put my hand upon my mouth. Once I've spoken, I will proceed no further. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a powerful testimony to your awesomeness. In Job's understanding of the need of repentance, where I pray at the end of this message, we'll be reminded of our need of repentance should be part of our ongoing daily, even moment by moment life if necessary. If we find ourselves having done wrong, repent right then, short accounts. So Lord, help me this evening be with those next door as they prepare for the Christmas program, be with Cindy as she directs. And Lord, I pray again for Karen and family, pray for Kelly Joe that you comfort her heart and provide the needs that they have as going forward, watch over them. For the many who are infirm uh, for Sherry tomorrow, or their chemo, and then Mr. Lauderdale to the surgeon tomorrow, I pray that some good news can be found for him and many others we have in our midst that need your touch. Lord, bless our time together next few moments. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we are in a, it's hard to be humble in our culture of pride and me-ism. It's all about me sometimes. We, we seldom hear, I am wrong, I'm truly sorry, will you please forgive me? So often we hear, You'll be hearing from my lawyer, or I will see you in court. So that's, that's the, the prideful, uh, we have to have our, if somebody just does us wrong, then we've got to seek revenge. True story is told, it was the first place winner in the Criminal Lawyers Award in 2002. In Charlotte, North Carolina, there was a lawyer that purchased a box of very rare and expensive cigars, and he insured these cigars, among other things, against fire. Within a month, he had smoked all the entire stockpile, the great cigars, expensive cigars, without having even made the first payment on his premium. And then the lawyer filed a claim against the insurance company. In his claim, the lawyer stated the cigars were lost in a series of small fires. The insurance company refused to pay, citing the obvious reason that the man had consumed the cigars in a normal fashion that was obvious. And the lawyer sued, though, and won. In delivering the ruling, the judge agreed with the insurance company that the claim was frivolous. However, the judge stated that the lawyer held a policy from the company in which he had warranted that the cigars were insurable and almost guaranteed that it would insure them against even fire without defining what was considered to be a fire, acceptable fire, so it was obligated to pay. Rather than endure a long, lengthy appeal process, the insurance company accepted the ruling and paid $15,000 to the lawyer for his loss of the cigars in the small fires. But wait, 
After the lawyer cashed his check, the insurance company turned around and had him arrested for 24 counts of arson. With the, sm- with the own insurance claim and the testimony from the previous case being used against him, the lawyer was convicted of intentionally burning his insured property and was sentenced to 24 months in jail and $24,000 fine. It is all about me. Well, it's not all about us. And when we do wrong, there needs to be repentance. We must teach our children, our grandchildren, whoever we come in contact with, the necessity of humility. Rarely do we hear humility reported in the media nowadays. It's all about what someone has done, and someone's done this and done that, and lots of times it's nothing to be proud of. In Job 40, verse 4, Behold, I am vile. What? Shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. Paraphrase would say, I'm sorry, forgive me. I'll never do that again. I promise I'll never again live on crust of hearsay and crumbs of rumor. Have you ever lived on the crust of hearsay and the crumbs of rumor? I trust you're not because then you're listening to far too many voices if you're doing that. We should be listening to the truth of God's word. It is no rumor. God is coming in. Uh, 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 It's just truth. Whether you've heard it as a rumor or truth, I say for truth, he is coming back. Talk about it this morning. But we find in that Job, where is Job now? Well, God's, God's released him from that. God has given him all his children back, and he lives in it's 50 years past the trial. No, Job is still in the ash heap. Job is still suffering from boils. Job's children are still dead. His bank is still empty. He has all these things, and yet Job here sees his need of repentance. I tell you, it makes it more authentic. Had Job, had God restored Job and answered all his questions like he wanted to answer, and had the three friends been, been treated with a thousand uh, fleas from a thousand camels under their armpits on their way back home and, and gone off in remorse and repentance themselves, and had Job twice as much money and doubled them, we would say, well, now I see why he's repenting. Because now he realizes on the far side, that he was wrong. Job doesn't have any of that yet. He doesn't even know it's coming. Yet in dust and sackcloth and ashes, I'm guessing sackcloth, ashes, worms, sores, he repents here. Far easier to fall down in utter submission before God when everything's going well. But when the critics are still there, the family is still gone. His wife, I don't know if she's helping him now or not. The last thing we've heard from her is, curse God and I. So we don't know. We hope she's turned her mind. And so he cries. He sort of sighs. Behold, verse 40, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. So no question about it. I think that represents full repentance. Before Job was ready to lay him flat. The three friends would say something, and he would respond, and he, he, he was loquacious. He was wordy. He was a lot of things. Now he sees himself for what he is. Job abases himself somewhat, John Hartley says, and recants, confessing himself to be no better than the dust and ashes on which he has been sitting. Job has come to a true assessment of himself before the holy God. Job both renounces all false pride and concedes that God has been truly justice in allowing him, the noblest sheik of the east, to be brought so low that he has had to sit outside the city and the dust heap, ash heap, 
Hebrew word recant means to, to turn from a planned course of action to take up a new course. It implies the, the, uh, or implies the resolve to change direction. It's an affirmative case action based on correction. In recanting, Job surrenders, the man says to God, the last vestige of his self-righteousness. He withdraws his avowal of innocence. From now on, he will locate his self-worth in his relationship with Yahweh, not in his own moral behavior or innocence, end quote. His centering now is on God and not on his difficulties. I was asking my wife about some issue, and she says, uh, do you think maybe God's going to do it to where God has to do it if it works? Hmm, well, now that's, uh, might be. But th- why is this happening this way? Perhaps God is, I said, but I don't have 300. Well, we don't need 300. So the battle's maybe not quite as big as what Gideon faced. You, you see what I'm saying? Sometimes we have to, God has to knock our props out. So when something goes to his glory, we say, all glory to God. It was not me. By the way, that should be our normal method of service. Sometimes, though, we get a little bit wrong, wonky. We, have, we are witnessing, in, I think, Job, the personification of the humble and contrite heart as you're turning to Psalm 51. Do you remember David after his sin with Bathsheba and the killing of Uriah? We would call that murder. His feelings, repentance, Psalm 51 now, we do know the background where this comes from pretty clearly. We do not know for Psalm 26, but we do know here. Have mercy upon me, 51.1, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, Psalm 51.3, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. There was no hiding of his transgressions. There was no one else to blame. Job... Stop the blame game. If you're on the blame game wagon, please get off that wagon and consider thyself. Consider thyself. And consider that you don't know all the things that are going on in that individual's lives. We, we as Christians, sometimes, we're, if we're not careful, we'll start throwing stones and, and having made an executive decision that we know why that person is, is or is not doing such and such a thing. Job's... It's, I'm going to cover my mouth, Lord, because I have spoken unwisely. Verse 10, Psalm 51, 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Art, it's like the Etch-a-Sketch. You know what the, do we younger folks know what the Etch-a-Sketch is? Yeah, probably still around. It's like I make this terrible design. I don't like it. Draw something else. That's wrong. In the clean slate, it's like a clean piece of paper. And like this paper, on the back of this piece of paper here, there is not a mark on it. Well, there's a, there, I don't know, was that, that pie on there? I don't know. But the, there's, a, there's a mark now. Just that, this something, this, that, it's like kids, when they say a clean piece of paper. Another one. It's something about that clean slate. Don't you like a clean slate with God? Yes. It's that. Peace that passes understanding. So what is it required in verse 17 of the text? David gets right to the point by the end of the chapter. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. That's the two things he wants. 
a broken spirit, a contrite heart. What he does not want is arrogance and flamboyance and look at me, look what I am doing for the Lord. Woohoo! That's exactly the wrong spirit. Think about these five truths one uh, commentator picked out of this. First of all, a contrite heart nurses no grudges. Well, if it had not been for her, or if he'd have just done what he was supposed to do, or if I hadn't been raised like I was raised, no. Contrite heart holds, nurses no grudges. Secondly, a contrite heart makes no demands. It doesn't make any obligations. Well, I'm going to do this. If you'll do that, well, then I'll start doing this. It's like a husband and wife. One of the best things you can do is give me three things. Now, you don't tell me. Tell your husband or wife. Three things I can do that will help our relationship better. Well, now that you want it, and, and here's why I've got picked for you already. No, that's not, the, that's not the issue. It's like, do you really want to know what she or he wants, how, what is really bothering him? Have you ever asked your spouse that? I don't think so. My wife and I have done that. No, not recently, because <laughs> I'm just perfect now. So there we are. We don't even do that anymore. I'm glad you're laughing, because I, I, I was a tease. I was a joke, a very, very much a joke. You want to know from God what you need to fix? Just ask him. And I would not limit it to three. Lord, what are those things in my life? Are you ready, Tim? Are you ready? Really, really want to know? Do, we, that's the, do you really want to know? That's the thing. Third, a contract heart has no expectations. Well, if I do this, I expect good. It's not like that. A contract heart is I'm going to obey God, period. And whether I get good responses or not, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to give. I'm going to go. I'm going to say this. I'm going to do what he wants me to do without expectations. Because if I do that, then they will do this. If I do this, if I compliment my wife on making the, those derby pies where, oh, my goodness, you made for the, they were so yummy. Oh, man. I would, oh, did you, you have time to, you know. I'm buttering her up so she make. I think there's a lot of butter in there too. But I'm buttering her up so I can get a new derby pie. That's not it. It's no expectations. Fourth, your broken spirit offers no conditions. I'll be humble if you'll do this, this, and this, and this. And fifthly, a broken spirit and contrite heart anticipate no favors. I do not anticipate as a result that you will be do something gracious for me. Job says, "I am undone." To borrow Isaiah's words, this would be Job's Isaiah moment. I am lost and undone. I am a sinner. And there was no coals to put on Job's mouth. I think Job was already suffering perhaps enough. A broken spirit. Now, before we continue and finish up with our repentance motif, uh, the challenge back in 40 verse 1, the narrator takes for just a moment and clarifies the issue at hand. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Now, the previous two chapters, do you remember what they were about? The glory of God's creation and the glory of God's created animals. Job, can you do these things? And you know, you know when the, the, I don't know any of that. So the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer. We might say it this way. Will the one contending with the Almighty correct him? Who creates and sustains all these wonders? Let the one who has taken upon himself to rebuke God answer. And you know how sometimes people will look at you and you're looking like, 
Yeah, I, I do that quite often and sometimes. And, uh, yes, that's who God's talking to. Let him who's taken upon himself, Mr. Job, to answer. All proves the power of God and the helplessness of man. It all proves the wisdom of God and the ignorance of man. The lesson is clear. It is left to Job to take it to heart. If man is so impotent and so ignorant in regard to the world of things he can see and touch, how can he imagine himself fit to sit in judgment on God's moral government of the universe? You can't even see. The flowers that God has created on top of the mountains, we will never even see. How are we to stand and say, well, you know what? I don't think God's right. We created the world just came from nothing and how do you know that? How can you know that? You can't. It's not wrong, number one. So God uses strong language to characterize Job's behavior or perhaps misbehavior. The one who knows even our unspoken words interpreted Job's protest, his actions as disputing, fault-finding, correcting, instructing, and even rebuking of all persons, God Almighty. I am righteous, but I'm not sure about God, to paraphrase, but I am innocent in my life. Job's not so innocent anymore. He has come to see it. Sovereign is never insecure or threatened. Supreme authority can afford to express itself quietly in a still, small voice. Job does not have to have ten pages of condemnation. And that should be us. The little small voice that the Holy Spirit uses to prick your conscience when we do something wrong should be sufficient. He should not have to drive a tractor trailer through your front porch into your house to get your attention. It should be as simple as, wow, the Holy Spirit. And you need to respond. Now, if you don't respond when the Holy Spirit, he might still get a little bit more influential in your life. If you don't respond to that, well, okay, let's wake you up. I will respond. Oh, let's wake up a little bit louder. There's someone in my household has several alarms on, her, on, 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 the, on the phone they use. And so sometimes they get up on the first one, something in the second one, something in the third one, and sometimes the goal's off, and then there's here. And I, and, and I got two more minutes. I got, I got another minute yet. Okay. For me, it's like, I've got to get up on that first one. Because if I don't get up on that first one, I don't want to get up. So that first 515 rings, I do lay there for two minutes. Then finally, I'll, I'll pray, Lord, you know, and I'll swing my feet over and sit up. Why it's awful early? It is. I get up and I trudge through the house. Get out of the way, catch. Wow. And then I go over and I, you know, get my shoes on for the bike. And then I feed the cats, of course. Then I go over to the recumbent bike, sit on there, and ding. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine levels of stress, difficulty. And here I start pedaling. And seven miles later, I get off and take a shower. But I probably have not said a word to anyone. And matter of fact, I prob- sometimes I will say goodbye. It might be the first words I say to Stephanie, if she's not talking either, is, you know, goodbye or something. Or I'll see you after work. That's about what I say generally on my way out. I'm just not a morning talky person. We are to allow God to work in our lives and we are to see ourselves for who we are. Can we do all these things? No. This book, specifically Job, is about an almighty God and how awesome he is and how unawesome I am. Now, you'll hear me say that I am nothing and God is everything. And you, but isn't that a little bit? I don't think so. For me, it's not. I like that uh, Isaac Watts, such a worm as I at the cross, at the cross. 
People want to hear that we are worms. All our righteousnesses are as menstrual claws, like the most thing that you can think of. That's, our righteousnesses are like that. That's what we... And yet, with, without Him, not with Him, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, but without Him, we, we're lost and undone. Yeah. But the world does not see that. The world thinks that they are something without God, and they're not. Now, remember, God's original estimation of Job is still on the table. Job is still a man of God. He's the greatest man in the East. He's been serving the Lord for the right reasons. But Job has failed a little bit in how he has, he has labeled God wrongly. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth. Reprove means to decide, to rebuke sometimes, to correct, to judge, to appoint, to convince, to be chastened. Are you going to rebuke God? Job viewed God as the prosecutor who would never explain to him the reason for the lawsuit against Job. Legal language saturates the book, as you well know, confronted by divine silence and provoked by the three false witnesses. Job now countersues, making God the defendant. I think he bought a lot more than he thought when he got God involved. Job has seriously, and we do mean seriously, underestimated the firepower and the terrible benevolence of the accused one when you put God on trial. For we, 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 we're nothing without him. It, he is the creator, we are the creature. So Job had set himself up as arbitrarily God's accuser. Before we throw Job under the bus, or coal truck, or whatever you want to say, how the world today has become the accuser of God. Why does God, one of the most patent questions is, if God was a God of law, why is there much suffering in the world? I can tell you quickly one word, sin. Man has brought it into the world. God still works and God heals and God does intervenes in people's lives and He loves us. But mankind brought this evil in. It was mankind. After surveying the marvels and mysteries of God's created universe in the last two chapters, Job, is, is, he's not ready anymore to respond. He's going to put his hand over his mouth. He responds, I'm vile. I'll lay my hand upon my mouth. I'll proceed no further. Vile means disgusting. The Hebrew term means uh, to be light, small, little of account. Some render insignificant, but that seems a touch out of, uh, of really the occasion. Job, I think or the word here, puny, pathetic, worthless, nothing. I'm vile. Frequently translated as curse. Even in the book of Job, that same Hebrew word. Despicable, contemptible. That's what he is. And this is how Job sees himself. How do we see ourselves? Well, God's pretty lucky to have me on their team. Really? God's plan is going to go forward whether you get on board or not. Now, I really encourage you to get on board with it and enjoy and look forward to what God He, he loves us so much. And the fact that you and I can be with Him forever and in heaven is... Beyond words. When the commentator says Job had come almost full circle, from hesitation to confront God, through confidence and a final sweep of assertiveness, then to humbly inability to respond. It's like the cycle of the judges. Got right, got wrong, 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 wrong. Punishment, crying, submission, persecution, crying. God, judge comes on the scene, whips up on them. They get right. It's like the cycle over and over and over. Wearsby says, until we can become silent before God, He cannot do for us what needs to be done. 
As long as we defend ourselves and argue with God, He cannot work for us and in us to accomplish His plan through us. Lord, it's just too much. I can't handle all of this. And you can't on your own. I can't handle on my own. But with God, all things are possible. I believe in saying little, little to nothing. And I like to be quiet. And listen, Abraham Lincoln says, uh, mm, let folks, assume yourself to be ignorant then to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Something like that. Job's saying the right thing for the moment. Someone has said that the silence is the first stage of true contrition deeply felt. What's the first thing we want to do when someone says, we want, I want to respond? Well, they don't know boo-hoo about that. Do you know the truth? Well, God knows the truth. Churchill said that success is not final, failure is not fatal, and it is the courage to continue that counts. The courage to continue tomorrow morning. Keep trusting the Lord. I'm going to put a spiritual application on that. To trust the Lord. So as we wind down, what prompted such repentance? As you look back in the biblical record in Job chapter 40, we find that, what prompted such a repentance in the spirit of Job? We're going to discover that God's got Job's full attention. It's as if he places both of his mighty hands on Job's shoulders. So God puts his hands on Job's shoulders. Have you ever, as a parent, you really want to get somebody's attention, and you come up to them, and you get a hold, and you look them right in the eye? I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, you had better stop it. I brought you into this world. And I can take you right out of it. That would be the mother. So they, that. But, and, and it's something how, if you can get their attention, that you, I want to say, put the fear of God in them. Something we would call it that. And they, oh, yes, I, they mean business this time. So I'm taking that trash out when they say it the very first time. You better straighten up. You better watch your mouth. Did anybody else have their mouth washed out with soap? I really had that happen to me. Now, you don't have to feel sorry for me. I'm sure I deserved it. I wasn't feeling sorry for you anyway. You probably didn't get enough. You're right. I probably didn't get it often enough. My brother shirted, it, and I can tell you. And you can tell him I said that. And you can tell him that tomorrow at work. Correct? Uh, we, you need to correct. It's amazing how it works. Now, I'm suggesting here the Lord takes spiritually speaking Job by the shoulders and to give him a firm talking to. And we might, he might have said these words in today's society. Job, listen to me. I am God and you are my servant. I am your authority. I am in charge. I am the potter. You are the clay. Remember? I am molding, shaping you, uh, and you will be shaped. It is important that you fully understand, Job, that you are not on my level. You are my servant. You are not God. So God is setting the servant straight. That's just paraphrase ideology again, an idea. God's first indictment against Job was presuming to have sufficient knowledge of the, of the facts to bring God's ways and character into question. Now we find he introduces a new argument, defending his own righteousness at the expense of God's righteousness as we close up verse 7, please. 40, verse 7 of our text. Chapter 40, verse 7 to 14, and we are shortly done. Gird up the loins of, not like a man, I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me, Wilt thou also disannul my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me that thou mayest be righteous? Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you are right? Elihu had started this in 34.17, the charges, and now the parallel come from God now. Will you do this, Job? Will you do this? Hast thou an arm like God, thine, or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? 
Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency, and array thyself with glory and beauty. Cast abroad the rage of thy wrath, and behold everyone that is proud, and abase him. Look on everyone that is proud, and bring him low, and tread down the wicked in her place. Hide them in the dust together, and bind their faces in secret. Then will I also confess unto thee that thine own right hand can save thee. And people they think that they can do things a lot less grandiose than that, and that's going to save them. It doesn't. Only by God's grace. Canst thou thunder? Canst thou tread the wicked down in their place? Now, I will tell you, sometimes I, I wish I could do that. In my own righteousness, we see those people just need to be eradicated, and they just need to be, God, deal with them. We don't have any precatory psalms to, to, to read through in nowadays, and you can look back in the past, but God, if, if you'd be pleased... Please protect the Israelite people. Please protect Israel, Jews. Our soldiers, please protect him. And if you'd be pleased, may you just take care of those who need to be taken care of and get them out of the way. So we find in that God might have said in our language today, let me make something clear to you. If it's like... Now, looking right in the eye, you got your son by the shoulder. Perhaps your, that wouldn't be a grandson. Your son by the shoulder, looking him in the face. Let me make something clear to you, son. As the father, I am the one who earns the living in this home. If you, are in, if you are in charge, then you earn the living. Then you need to go where I go and work where I work. You need to face the pressures I face, then make the decisions I make. You take care of the mortgage. You handle the leadership in this family. You make the plans. You make certain that they are carried out correctly. I ask you, are you able to do that? Uh, 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 uh no. Good answer. No, sir, I cannot do that. Well, then you're right. You're not the dad. That means you answer to me. Now, let me assure you that I love you forever, but you will not rule this home as my role. Do you understand? Uh, 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 yes, dad, I understand that. Good. Now, let's go fishing. That's God. Now, he doesn't, I think he's almost too kind to say it that way. Sometimes, though, we need to hear that. He's God and we are not. It's, it's, we're not to play the role of God. We're to play the role of servant. And it will ever be so. He will always be God for us. Job is beginning to get it. I will put my hands before my mouth. Over my mouth, I will say no more. There is a need of repentance. May God help us to be people of repentance. May we not have to go through all the things Job did to repent and keep right with him. Let's pray. Lord, even to preach on this book is such a difficult thing. I'm so unworthy. Job was such a man of God. Yes, he did do things. And he did make statements. But Lord, who of us has not? I've made far more such a sinful creature compared to Job. So Lord, help us to keep an accurate estimation of who you are. And we are thankful that in the midst of being God of very God and ruling everything in the entire world, galaxy, universe, you yet are concerned about our needs and our hurts. So Lord, just thank you for who you are. You are so great and we are so small. May we worship you this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.